Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog, All Together, at altogether.swe.org. Looking for more information and data on women in engineering? Head over to research.swe.org and review the groundbreaking research that SWE has been conducting. SWE's research efforts include reporting on women of color in engineering and how community colleges may play a role in getting more women to graduate with engineering degrees. You can also check out the annual SWE Literature Review in SWE Magazine's State of Women in Engineering issue. Hi, I'm Penny Worsing, FY19 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse Podcast. Joining me now is Carrie Phillips. Carrie is a senior engineer at the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory. She's also a visiting professor for the Johns Hopkins University Whiting School of Engineering and has a PhD in aerospace engineering. Thanks for joining us, Carrie. Hi, Penny. Thanks for having me. So, Carrie, I understand you recently spoke to a group of high school students at a TEDx event. What was your talk about? Yes, yeah, so I had an opportunity to give a TEDx women talk to high school students who were interested in pursuing STEM careers. My talk focused on encouraging young girls to follow their passions even in the face of obstacles. So I called it, Don't Let the Brushback Pitch Take You Out of the Game, which was a reference to my softball playing days. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not a softball player. So what is a brushback pitch and what does it mean for young women interested in STEM? Great question. So a brushback pitch is a baseball or softball term for a fastball that's thrown high and inside to intimidate a batter away from the plate on the next pitches. It essentially allows the pitcher to reclaim the strike zone by intimidating the batter to stand further away from the plate and not perform up to his or her potential. I use this analogy for some of the obstacles that women can face in STEM, and I wanted to highlight some of my personal experiences with brushback pitches, which came in the form of gender stereotypes, imposter syndrome, and implicit bias. That sounds like a great um, analogy. What prompted you to give your talk? You know, I, w I wanted to give the talk that I so desperately needed to hear when I was in high school. I needed to hear successful women stand up and talk about the obstacles they faced and the failures that they grew from. I wanted to have an authentic conversation about those obstacles and that fall flat on my face moment that, you know, I didn't let hold me back. And you know, first, I wanted to encourage young women to get comfortable with failure, learn something, grow from it, move on, and don't be too hard on yourself. I also wanted to introduce and discuss imposter syndrome with a main theme of not letting someone tell you you can't, and that includes yourself. If you are passionate about it, work hard, go for it. You know, I want young women to know that we need them in STEM. We need diverse perspectives and fresh ideas to solve some of the world's toughest challenges. You know, there certainly are obstacles facing women and minorities in STEM, but there are so many amazing experiences that I just don't want them to miss. Well, thank you for doing that. That's, that is an important message for high school um, students to hear for sure. You, you mentioned imposter syndrome. What does that mean? Sure. Imposter syndrome is characterized by feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evidence of success. Research has shown that it often occurs among high achievers who are unable to internalize and accept those successes, and they often fear that others will eventually unmask them as a fraud. It's also been associated with perfectionism. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're not the only one who suffers from that, but how did imposter syndrome affect you personally? 
You know, I was always hard on myself in school. I often expected near perfection on assignments and exams. And when I didn't live up to my own expectations, I worried that people wouldn't see me as competent in engineering and feared being exposed as a fraud. I remember working on my dissertation in graduate school and going through the job search process. I was the only woman in a lab of 12, and I was feeling pretty imposter-like at that time. I had not heard back from a few of the companies I applied to, and one of my male colleagues suggested that I should, quote, focus on my strengths and just become a manager, which was subtly implying that maybe I just couldn't cut it as an engineer. This certainly wasn't the first time I'd experienced a comment like that as a woman in engineering, but something about this occurring right as I was about to earn my PhD really shook me. I started considering backup plans like looking into teaching and law school. So for me, imposter syndrome had a pretty significant effect during those months and really, really um, shook me. So how did you end up at the Applied Physics Lab? While I was at that low point, I received a call from Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Laboratory, or APL, to interview for an aerospace engineering position. You know, and the interview reminded me that I'm passionate about engineering, and I was really excited about the work being done at APL. This was an opportunity to work alongside some of the world's experts in space exploration, missile systems, and artificial intelligence, to name a few. And I was really excited to join them. So when I look back at that period of my life, I didn't quite understand the doubts I was having. Um, it wasn't until I was working at APL that I learned about imposter syndrome, that there was this name for how I felt during that time. I met colleagues who shared their experiences with imposter syndrome, and I, I learned how to recognize those feelings and when they occur. Today, I still have moments where I feel like an imposter, but through this journey, I learned to own my successes. That, that is an important um important thing for folks to be able to look forward to as they are on that same journey. Can you tell us about your career at the Applied Physics Laboratory? Sure. Well, APL is the nation's largest university-affiliated research center, or UARC. We conduct independent research and development for the U.S. government, primarily in support of national security and space exploration. Uh, if you've heard of New Horizons, that is something that APL um, was working on. I started working at APL after graduating with my PhD, and eight years later, I'm still here. Uh, I love it. I, I specialize in guidance and control of flight vehicles, and I support several missile programs in that capacity. I've enjoyed working on these programs because there's no shortage of technical challenges, and I often support the flight tests of these systems, which for me is very rewarding. Wow, eight years. What, what has kept you at APL? Simply put, the people the culture, and the technical challenges I get to work on. Um, working at APL enables me to learn something new every day. If I ever have a question, there is no shortage of intelligent and friendly people who are willing to go out of their way to help me answer it. APL encourages staff to collaborate, to be innovative, and to take risks. There are a wide variety of projects and countless opportunities to grow here. Um, so not only have I been able to hone my engineering skills, but I've also had the opportunity to step into technical management roles I found my leadership roles to be really rewarding because I get to work directly with staff and help them grow in their careers and ultimately have a greater impact on the work that we do. So when I look back at my college lab mate's statement that I should just become a manager instead of an engineer, it really feels great to say that I'm doing both. I can imagine. Congratulations. I don't know if you ever get in touch with um, that uh, college lab mate, but um, hopefully he realizes uh, his his mistake. <laughs> um, so what has been, what's been the proudest moment of your career so far? 
I come to APL every day knowing that the work will be challenging and meaningful. One of the greatest honors of my job is working with and in service of different branches of the United States military. So I'm most proud of a set of algorithms that I helped develop for a missile program, culminating with a letter of recognition from a United States Navy Admiral. So I am honored to have been in a position to have that level of impact and grateful for the team that I worked with to make that happen. I'm proud of the contributions I make every day at APL, and I'm thankful that I didn't let something like imposter syndrome keep me from being an engineer. Do you have any advice for someone struggling with imposter syndrome? Yes. I found it extremely helpful to read others' accounts of their experience with imposter syndrome. Cheryl Sandberg, Emma Watson, Tina Fey, and Sonia Sotomayor are all wonderful role models who have been open about their experiences with imposter syndrome. Lean In was a great resource to understand some of the imposter-like feelings experienced by a successful woman, and there are so many other resources online. Uh, There are strategies for owning your successes with simple steps such as accepting compliments and rereading positive feedback that you receive. Talking about imposter syndrome is powerful in that it raises awareness and builds camaraderie when we share strategies for overcoming it. So I encourage those listening to definitely do their part. Lift others up by sharing your stories and your advice. Whether those are stories of overcoming imposter syndrome or those fall flat in your face moments that you got through, your story can inspire others to keep going even in the face of obstacles. And that's really powerful. So true. Well, well, thank you, Carrie. I don't know. Is there any um, final words that you'd like to share? I'm just really encouraged by the the women that I see um, when I go to SWE conferences. I'm just so inspired by all the different women who are doing amazing research and helping lift each other up um, in the different STEM fields. So I'm, I'm just very inspired by uh, the generations to come. And they will be inspired by you. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. Carrie Phillips is a senior engineer at the Johns Hopkins Applied Physics Lab. And I am Penny Worsing for all of us at SWE. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud. If you have not already made plans to be a part of the largest gathering of women engineers in the world, visit our WE19 conference site, we19.swe.org.